0: Welcome in to episode 211 of the Source Say Podcast. We'll go to Kentucky Basketball and Recruiting Podcast on the growing KSR Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you?
1: I am doing fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you?
0: Oh, it is, uh, it's a whirlwind right now, Sean. Actually, we were a couple minutes late on this show because some big news broke. Uh, in terms of a big new offer for Kentucky basketball in the class of 2024. That is something we will most certainly discuss. Uh, And then we got a... Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Full list of the Big Blue Madness visitors that we will most certainly discuss there at the end of the show. Uh, But Sean, I think the biggest of the big news today uh, is the uh, cliffhanger that John Calipari left us. There were about four or five minutes uh, earlier this either early afternoon or, or morning, whatever it was. Uh, where Cal basically said, "I have good news and bad news. The uh, good news is Oscar Sheboy looked really good at Pro day and uh, you know, the Scouts loved everything that they saw about him. And then like there was like five minutes of dead air. and everybody was like, what is the bad news? Please.
1: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
0: No purchase necessary. BGW. Revoid. we were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tell me because I'm about to lose my mind. He ends up putting out the bad news. And unfortunately, Oscar Shiboy does uh, have a very minor knee injury. They specifically point out that it is a minor knee injury. He's going to undergo a little 15 minute knee procedure. Very minor. No big deal. Uh, Cal's exact quote, I'm pulling it up right now Uh, He says uh, I have good news and bad news Good news is Oscar had an unbelievable performance At Pro Day and the scouts loved what they saw He came back to develop his game And become a more complete player And that's exactly what he displayed Sunday night They loved it, and that's where the dead air Happened for Cal Five minutes And then uh, he tweets out Bad news is I kept him out of practice Saturday with knee stuff He refused to sit out uh, Pro Day And balled out, I made him uh, sit out Monday and get examined as a precaution. He's going to have a minor 15-minute procedure to clean some things up. Uh, no big, de- or not a big deal, but no dancing at madness. So clearly, Cal uh, made light of a you know something that is not a good thing to hear going into you know Big Blue Madness on Friday, Blue White game next week, and then exhibition start. Uh, certainly not something you want from your reigning National Player of the Year, Sean, but could be a whole heck of a lot worse.
1: It could be <laughs> when he, uh, when you had that dead air there, I was like, uh, he was so good in pro day. He's going to forego his remaining eligibility and <laughs> go pro. No, it's just, it's a good thing that it's not anything serious because Cal's done that the last couple of days. Actually, he did the same approach to the CJ ankle news. And I'm sitting here thinking, I'm reading that and I'm like, Oh my God, is it happened again to CJ? And then you see that it's not serious. And then it's the same thing with Oscar and it's not serious. So it, it is good news. that It's not because I wasn't there for Pro Day, but on the tape, he looks so much quicker, so much more explosive. He was into the chest of uh, of Kingsley there. And uh, the mid-range jumper, the rim running on the first highlight in those highlights, he looks really, really good. So I'm glad that this is a minor 15-minute procedure that they're doing just to clean some things up because you want to take care of that now. That way that that minor procedure doesn't become something else as you get into the season.
0: Yeah, and, and uh, I did confirm with you know somebody close to the UK program that uh, it's just a, a a little minor knee scope, so it's not even like a you know a, a huge procedure. I know it's only fifteen minutes, but uh, they wanted to put it out there because they knew that it would get out eventually, that a procedure would get done, and they didn't want uh, you know the exact quote was uh, we didn't want anybody thinking that you know if, if it comes out that uh, fans would just you know assume that he's going to have to get his knee, his leg amputated or something. And they're like, we did not want anything like that to come out. We wanted to make it very 100% clear that this is no big deal. Nothing to be concerned about. Everything is just fine. And then
1: when you see him at madness, not doing things, then everybody be like, "Uh, okay, what's, what's wrong with Oscar?
0: Mm -hmm. And and I, I, oddly enough, you know, should his leg ever be amputated? Something tells me he'd still average eight and eight on a peg leg. So even still, I I think he'd find a way onto the court regardless, but uh, yeah, no big deal. And I mean, shoot Cal, what he specifically said, he was, you know, he had the injury at pro day. So the scrimmage highlights that we saw and, you know, I saw him, you know, it was a full, I mean, hour and a half hours worth of, of scrimmaging, probably, you know, pretty close to an hour, full five on five scrimmaging. Sean, he looked tremendous. He was moving extremely well, looked light on his feet, you know, as you said, you know, that it opened up with an alley oop to him, and he was uh, you know, battling down low with Uganda and you know, just time that, and time again, good. it was it was a, it was a great, great performance for him, and he was hurt. So all things considered, it, it could be a whole heck of a lot well, of
1: and that was the 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 impressive thing was the way he was battling with Uganda there is going into his chest. That is something that Oscar was affected by a lot last year was teams and their length. So him getting to go against some length and that rim protection every single day in practice is only going to benefit him and benefit this team. And it seems like that that has allowed him to to kind of get into the chest of the defender more, uh, get to that little jump hook, get to some power moves there at the rim. But the mid-range game, the rim running that he has always had, Jack. We, we've always seen Oscar Shibwe work harder than anyone else on the floor. But that clip of him running to the rim there early – he beat every single player down the floor, and those guys had a two- or three-step lead on him when the transition started.
0: Yeah, so he looks you, like he's
1: in great shape to me. I, I don't, I haven't seen him in person, but he looks like he's in fantastic shape, probably the best shape of his life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you, you talked a little bit about uh, Uganda and uh, his, his nickname is Ugo. So I, I'm sitting down with him later in this week, and I'll probably post that interview on the Source of Safe Feed so our listeners can hear that as well. And it's, I'm, I'm talking to C.J. Frederick tomorrow – and then Ugo on on Thursday, so that'll be uh, something that fans, I'm sure our listeners will definitely uh, enjoy. But you brought up that head to head matchup, Ugo and and uh, and Oscar. That it was my first time getting to see Ugana in person, and and you know I had heard what I had heard going into this off and when he first arrived on campus, and I'd said on the last show. Uh, that he's you know way further along than I think the staff anticipated when when they signed him and I think they you know anticipated a little bit of a learning curve. Uh, you know fortunately for the the program, uh, his basketball IQ is absolutely out of this world. he's very mature for his age. Uh, and that's kind of the uh, buzz around campus right now is that he is much further along because of those reasons and he most certainly looked the part. Uh, in that head-to-head battle against Oscar, Oscar obviously got the best of him because, duh, he's Oscar Treby. Uh, but, but, Sean, I'm telling you, on a, the length of a six-foot-eleven guy with seven, a seven-four wingspan—that you know his measurements were out there and, and they look really good. We're going to go through some of those measurements here in just a second. Um, but he most certainly looked the part. He had a little face-up game where he knocked down a couple jump shots, kind of, you know, worked on that pivot and then knocked down that right elbow jump shot. And and that's something that he did not have in his bag. I mean, Sean, when I saw him three months ago, four months ago. So the growth that he has had has been out of this world. And, and, you know, we, we've been kind of talking, what should the expectations be for him this year? And we've been saying yeah, I wouldn't anticipate him playing much at all. You know, the, you know, the plan originally was to redshirt him. I mean, they they were planning on redshirting him when they first, you know, it, it appeared that he was going to end up committing. Sean, uh, but now as he's here and he's battling heads up against Uganda, against Oscar every single day, I, I mean, it's it's becoming a real question if if he should actually get some real playing time this year. And I think it's it's a valid valid point.
1: Well, like I said, I wasn't there. You got to see the full thing, but there's enough of him in those highlights to like, and he looks comfortable. Like there were there were a couple of plays there in the mid range where he looked comfortable offensively. We knew about his impact that he could make defensively. It was the question of how raw he was offensively, and, and that looked like a guy that, as he continues to develop, can put some stuff together moving forward and develop really nicely offensively. Back to the thing with Oscar and Ugana. So how it benefits Oscar, it's also going to, fit, going to benefit Ugana that he gets to go against the reigning national player of the year every single day he's in practice. Imagine the development that's going to take place in his game throughout the next six to seven months. And I'm with you. What I saw in those highlights, that looks like a guy that can play some basketball for Kentucky this year if they need him.
0: Yeah, and I like the the battle between those two. You get – the length and size of of Oscar, who if you look, or of of Uganda, you look at the rest of that roster. There's not a single guy over you know six nine. Damian Collins is the other tallest guy. I, I think Jacob Topping. I, I think it's kind of the KD thing where I think Jacob's actually like six ten, and they're listing him at six eight or whatever he is. I mean, I, I think when you put side by side, I think he's he's probably the tallest outside of Uganda. But you go down that list, there's not a lot of length on this team. There's not a lot of size. And that is going to benefit Oscar, and I think that was put on full display because Oscar was having to go up and over instead of through. And on the flip side, you know, Ugana's learning how to play against that type of contact, that physicality, that motor. He will not play a single player better than Oscar Sheboy in college basketball uh, this season, or ever. I mean, he will never play a better – uh, front-court piece than what he's going to go what, – what he's doing every day in practice against Oscar. That is yeah. In, invaluable.
1: Yeah, and, and yeah, nobody's going to beat and bang the way Oscar Shiboy does and, and attack the offensive glass, the defensive glass. Like he – Uganda is getting prepped for college basketball better than anyone in the country right now because of what he's having to go up against every single day in practice. And that, in return, might be what leads to the development of him being able to play minutes sooner than what Kentucky probably thought planned when he arrived on campus in August. Because you had no idea, you don't know how these kids are going to develop when they get there. I mean, it's the thing, same way with any new player, but even more so when you have a guy that's getting there earlier than what was planned. But going against those guys and getting the challenge of that every single day, Jack, it doesn't it does nothing but bring the best out of you because you have no choice to do anything less.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The uh, lineups obviously it was uh, Ugo versus uh, Oscar Sheibay at the five, but the two lineups were split split into uh, you know two interesting groups. Sean, I want to get your take on this. You had Savry Wheeler, Antonio Reeves, Jacob Toppin, Lance Ware, and uh, Onyenzo uh, on one lineup, and then Casein Wallace, Adutiro, uh, Chris Livingston, Damian Collins, and Oscar Sheboy in the other lineup. Does that mean anything to you? Or, you know, is is there anything there to you? Uh, you know, hearing those those two lineups.
1: Not really anything specific, other than I'm um, I'm assuming Casein got the reps at the one. A lot With of. That- yeah, and he looks and, very good. Yeah, and and I would say Kaysen's probably starting alongside Sabir when the season starts. But that was more of a in this moment, we got to get you some reps at the one. We got to keep you on the floor because if Wheeler's not on the floor, Kaysen's going to be the one. Absolutely. And and you may see some some cases in games where they play through Kaysen instead of Sabir leading the point, and leading the charge late in games. They may just flatten it out and do some stuff with, with Kaysen. But man, he looked good too in those highlights and when we talk about his defensive game all the time and it's always been the on-ball side his off-ball defense when he did the stunt and shot the passing lane right there I mean that that's really impressive like that is uh that's elite defensively in both categories on the ball defense in gaps deny help defense everything he is an elite player on the defensive of the floor but he has a lot to his game too offensively that's that's an area of his game that continues to develop and grow
0: there, there was a point. So there, there was one of the drills that, that Cal ran. It was a two-on-one, two-on-one. You know, you see the two-on-one, one-on-two the other way. Uh, With the box, the box. But, yeah, it was a two-on-one, two-on-one the other way. And Cason was the one defender coming back. And it was kind of a – you know, uh, John Wall, Eric Bledsoe back and forth leading to the lob, you know, Madison Square Garden against UConn. Very similar style trying to build that back and forth chemistry and how to, you know, thrive in transition. Uh, And there were several times in this drill that Kaysen was the – basically the free safety, you know, backpedaling back. And he jumped the passing lanes twice and pulled off steals in that two-on-one drill. When the offense had numbers, he still managed to make something out of nothing. And that – I mean, there were, you know, yeah, he got steals in the live five on five period. And he's going to do that, and then we saw that several times in the Bahamas. But little things like that, in that, that two on one transition period, it was like,
1: whoa, yeah. is that, that is five-. that is that the drill where Cal has the offensive team start giving the ball up at half court and they start going back and forth to get the defender moving?
0: They did that. Uh, they they did that one after just the it was, it was just a straight up two on one, two on one the other way back. Yeah, yeah uh, but,
1: a lot of quick reps in that.
0: Yeah, it was fascinating. But yeah, offensively, too. I mean, Cason, getting him real one reps with the ones was was, was fascinating, you know, at, at the point guard position. And, and what I really like, too, Chris Livingston uh, got a lot of play at the, as a as a, almost a fourth guard. We talked about him as a small ball four, but but you really got to see that in action with him as a. Uh, as a true fourth guard, where he was standing, you know, on the corner. He got a couple, you know, catch-and-shoot looks. So they, they didn't fall. I'd like to see his shot fall a little bit better. But, but, but he had a couple catch-and-goes on, on the baseline where, you know, like Hamadou Diallo uh, against Louisville uh, 2018 <laughs> or whatever, where, you know, that pump fade, go baseline, and just go dunk on somebody's head. He got a couple of those uh, in the live period as well, which is exactly what you're looking for out of Chris Livingston, Sean. That's, yes. uh, you want him at that small ball four, you know, fourth guard role. And he worked it to perfection. And it goes
1: back to what we said in the Bahamas in August. We we didn't want to pigeonhole him into a three or a four. It's a go be a playmaker. It's go and face up and, and use your size, use your length, use your strength. And uh, he, he certainly is built to do. He could play the three, he could play the small ball four. I like the makeup of this team. I really do. The more that I hear about him, the more that people write about them the more that we we get highlights and what you got to do on sunday Uh, you were talking about case getting a lot of reps at the one opposite Savir on those teams the thing that i that i think hurt kentucky the most is the season kind of closed last year we know that injuries played a huge part in this they had nobody that could break anyone down off the bounce like Mm -hmm. they just once they they limped to the finish line and then it was Savir, Savir, Savir. tata couldn't beat anybody kellen couldn't beat anybody they have dudes on the perimeter now, and Casein is one of those guys that can get into the lane, create, and make plays for some of these other guys. I think that's the biggest difference that you're going to see with this team. Is I think they got some dudes that can go get their own.
0: Uh, Andrew Latrell asked on, on that note, "What is Casein Wallace's ceiling Sean? Uh, I think uh, I think he's a very interesting case because I think he has one of the highest floors on the team, which is you know pretty pretty fascinating for a guy that who is a five star. Uh, you know, top 10 recruit like he is, I just think his uh, his his failure rate is very, very low. I just don't Maybe. see a player like Cason Wallace failing uh, at Kentucky, but his ceiling is interesting because I think that's kind of why he hasn't been seen as a, a consensus top 10 recruit uh, because he's not the best. He's he's very good at a lot of things, but not necessarily elite at anything except for defense. Uh, so I'm curious what your th- thoughts are
1: uh, on his well- when you can lean on that defense, you're going to play minutes, especially for a coach like John Calipari. And I think that's what helps him the most is on nights where, let's say he's not hitting shots or he's not having the best night offensively, he's still going to get points because he's going to get in passing lanes. He's going to to make toughness plays on the defensive end and convert and lead Kentucky in transition. Like that is the biggest thing with Kaysen is he's able to leave his mark on a game without having to hit baskets. That is a huge thing to lean on. Uh, so when it comes to his ceiling, I do think that that is the most interesting thing about his game because, like, I think his ceiling's high because I think there's a lot of room there for him to grow. I see Kaysen as a guy that's going to have his name on the SEC all-defensive team. Mm-hmm. I think you could also see a guy that if he defends at the level that we we know him know possible and continues to improve, could be an SEC defensive player of the year. I mean, that's that's how good he is on that end of the floor, and uh, that only keeps him on the floor longer too. And if this offensive game continues to develop, I think this is a guy that could see his name all over those accolades. And when it comes to to February and March,
0: well, well, you look at what Ashton Hagens was able to do defensively from day one at, at Kentucky, and we've always compared him to a better offensive version of Ashen Hagens, a more athletic version of Ashen Hagens, and Ashen Hagens that doesn't miss layups and transition, and you know all the all the things that kind of frustrated you about Ashen Hagens. It's kind of what Cason Wallace does very, very well. So it's kind of like the best, the best version that you thought Ashton Hagens could be in your head. You know, from a shooting and you know ball, you know, vision, basketball IQ, defense, finishing, all of those things. It's the best version of that, and I think well, that's kind of what makes him so fascinating.
1: And, and Ashton was a lot of on the ball, pressure stuff. Cason, I think, I, th- I think Cason moves better than Ashton does. I don't know. I'd, I'd be interested to get your take on that. I, I feel like he does naturally. I think he moves a lot better. Uh, but on the ball and off the ball, I think he has potential to be an even better off-the-ball defender than he is on-ball defender. And that's saying something, because we we know Kaysen Wallace has that reputation and uh, to to be an elite on-ball defender. But I think being in position and getting to the collegiate game where it's attention to detail on that defensive end. I bet you heard John Calipari hundred times about, you know, being in gaps and, and jumping to help and, and all those things and closeouts with high hands, all those things, Kaysen Wallace is going to take them, absorb them and do them. That is who he is.
0: Now, moving on a little bit down the list, there's a player that emerged as, in my opinion, the best player on the floor. And it wasn't Oscar Sheboy and it wasn't, you know, Cyrie Wheeler, wasn't Casein Wallace, wasn't Chris Livingston, wasn't even Antonio Reeves. Sean, it was actually Damian Collins Ooh. of all. He was sensational. In fact, I was writing my notes as it was going on, and he did three or four things in a row where I wrote down Damian Collins as a clear first-round pick after he did it. There was one one uh, sequence where I don't know if it was a lob or a shot at him. I think it came from – let me look at the lineups. It was the – Opposing point guard, I believe it was. I think Savier. It might have been Antonio Reeves. Actually, I think Antonio Reeves tried to f- do a little floater uh, in the lane or a, a lob or whatever it was, and, and Damian Collins goes up with his Inspector Gadget arms and pulls it down and like you know the a steel block. Like it wasn't even you know the, what what. Uh, Zion Williamson did against I think Reed Travis in that Duke Mm -hmm. game where he goes up and just rips it from him and then goes, goes with it. It was like that, and then he goes on the other end and he does this kind of hesitation pull up from the right wing where he almost shoots down at the ring. at the rim, his jump shot is so tall and high, he gets so much lift on his shots and he almost shoots down into it like Kevin Durant. In fact, I go back to a conversation we had with John Calipari. Uh, down in the Bahamas where he said, you know, he'll do some stuff in practice where it's almost Kevin Durant-like because he's a six ten, six eleven forward, but, you know, he jumps so high and he's so skilled uh, that he does some kind of weird Kevin Durant stuff. And he hit, I mean, three or four of those type jump shots in a row where you kind of look at the people next to you and you're like, did you see what I just saw? Because that – is an nba superstar move i mean that was you know the, the double hesitation step back pull up jump shot uh, from you know from the right left elbow he did that several times and, and you know the what he was doing offensively and then back on defensively and then back again on offensive you know offense uh, there was one part that john calipari uh damian got it inside and he kind of lifted for a light lay- i think it was in the highlight tape uh, he lifted for a layup and it was kind of a double clutch Uh, He misses the layup, and then he just puts it back and slams it in, and I mean, almost tears the rim down. And Cal stops stops the scrimmage right afterward and says, "When you throw it to Damian Collins, good things happen." Mm -hmm. And he said that. I was like, "Hmm." Cal said that in front of these NBA scouts for a reason, and I think it's because of other things he's seen behind the scenes that kind of lead him to believe that okay, maybe this real breakout season for Damian is is. Well, it's not possible. Likely,
1: you rem- you remember some of the plays that Anthony Davis would make with lobs, and it didn't have to be a perfect pass. I think Damian is in that same mold. With did you just have to throw the ball somewhere near the backboard? If you throw it just outside the backboard, if you throw it two two feet above the rim, he's going to go get it. So you just get the ball there and let him go chase it down and, and get a, and make a play and, and throw one down. The play you're talking about where it goes off the backboard and he gets his own miss was probably one of the most impressive plays on that highlight clip that I saw because he was so quick off his feet. There was no thinking to it. It was just reacting and just pure athleticism. If Damian can do those things, Jack, sprint into ball screens, sprint out of ball screens, get Kentucky with these shooters with Antonio Reeves, get C.J. Frederick full strength and healthy, uh, have these shooters on the perimeter? Have Damien run into the rim? You have to pay so much attention to Damien there that it's going to give Kentucky open shots on the perimeter, and you have it's going to stretch you out so far defensively. Kentucky's playing over the top this year, and I thought that that was something that outside of a couple of guys last year that got minutes. I mean, Jacob, you could complete a lob. I know Keon completed some lobs. I didn't think Kentucky was as good playing over the top last year as they are some years under John Calipari. This year they're going to be able to play through you with Oscar and all that size, but they're also going to be able to play over top of you with Damon and some of these other guys they have too.
0: Uh, our guy Shay says, thoughts on the role Jacob Toppin will have this year, complimentary piece, glue guy or star? Sean, I think that's kind of the most – fascinating part out of all of this is if Damien is progressing the way, you know, there are other whispers right now that, that, that this wasn't just a one-off, you know, anomaly of Damien Collins looking good in a, in a open scrimmage in front of scouts. Like apparently this is like a normal thing, something that we're seeing, you, you know, very consistently in practice. But Jacob was the guy in the Bahamas just three months ago. And he looked like he was going to be the, you know, the, the maybe even the star on this team, How do you adjust? Because, you know, I thought Jacob had a good scrimmage, you know, good hour-ish of scrimmaging. I thought he did some good things, knocked down open jumpers, didn't really have an inside game. You know, his athleticism was really ever on display outside of, you know, layup lines, dunk drills, and things like that, where they were clearly trying to emphasize his athleticism. Uh, But in normal live game settings, you didn't really get to see much of that. He had one nice fadeaway jumper from the left baseline. Uh, that that you know, kind of a, a foot kicker that Cal's talking about and, and has complained about. Uh, but outside of that, he didn't really do a whole whole lot. It was just a, a pretty solid performance. So I, I think the question is valid. You know, how do you how do you fit him into the fold?
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna slide it to the middle there and circle glue guy. I, I think that that's who Jacob's going to be. Um, and you hope for star. Complimentary piece is what he has been. Glue guy's that's the guys you need to win national championships, go to final fours. You need to have that guy. And the reason I say glue guy is because, like Kaysen, in that defense it's going to travel every single night, Jacob Toppin's ability to guard one through four is a nice luxury to have for John Calipari. You can switch all those spots. You can switch screens with him. He's got some size now. He's gotten stronger, his athleticism his ability to run to the rim, that improved three-point jumper. I'm thinking glue guy because glue guys make impacts every single night that hold something together, and I think that's what Jacob Toppin's going to be, whether he's playing the three, whether he's playing the four, whether he's starting, coming off the bench as a six-man. That is the definition of a glue guy and not a complimentary piece. I think that glue guy is what it's going to be. If he becomes a star, then Kentucky's really, really good. But uh, I'm going to say the safest pick there is glue guy, and I actually think that's what it'll be.
0: Uh, another guy who is a, you know, he was the MVP of the Bahamas, Antonio Reeves. Uh, he had a, fa- a pretty solid performance, made some some phenomenal shots. Uh, but the highlight of the event for him in particular, Sean, was John Calipari. There's one moment where he had a catch-and-shoot opportunity on the right wing. He pump faked it, kind of drove right, and then kind of did a, a jump jump pass across court. And Cal blew his whistle, stopped it, and he said – uh, Antonio you are a 1500 point scorer in college basketball shoot the ball he said if you get he said if you get cold and you you miss a bunch of shots and you come to me and, and you say uh well I keep missing shots you can blame me because I told you to continue to, to shoot I need to be the one to tell you to stop shooting do not stop shooting until I, I until I tell you to stop shooting and I will not tell you to stop shooting keep shooting the ball you are a 1500 point scorer and I thought that unlocked a level of confidence with him where you know sometimes he just kind of has to shake that rust off and go Dude, there's a reason that you're here there's a reason that they brought you in here you're not just an Illinois state kid anymore stop trying to fit in be who you are like you are you are a a, a high level scorer high level three level scorer at all d1 levels not just you know out of the Missouri Valley like you are a high level scorer at all you know high high level SEC power five all of it And after he did that, there was one uh, on, on the other end, he, you know, kind of had this double hesitation dribble and he did a step back like a shred of an and one mixtape. And then he did a step back three from the left corner and it was two inches short. I mean, just, just, just a hair short. And you could tell, I was like, Oh, that almost, that almost went in. And then like two, two possessions later, he had kind of a double hesitation step back from the left elbow and he sank it. And it was, perfection i mean absolutely stunning and then he knocked down a couple other deep threes and and really started finding his groove so this is a kid that he's motivated by you know hey remember who you are as a basketball player you are a hooper you are a professional bucket getter go get us a bucket when we need you to
1: yep and and that we're talking roles right talking jacob top a minute ago and what would his role be the thing with this team is, and it is with any team that Cal has, any any basketball team for that matter, is you got to buy into your role. To me, Antonio is going to be that instant offense guy whenever he's on the floor, and and I do think wire to wire could end up being this team's leading scorer, depending on how many minutes he gets, because of his ability to hit the three, his ability to get his own, get into some some ball screen stuff, do some stuff off the bounce. I think his game. I think he's unlocking something in his game that I think he didn't know he possessed. And that is, you know, and I said this back in the spring when he committed and signed, I was like, "Mm, he's not going to score at the level he did at Illinois state. And, you know, shame on me. Right. Because he goes to the Bahamas and absolutely just cooks. That is what you want. You want that guy knowing anytime he walks on the floor, whether it's starting role Coming off the bench, he is looking for shots. He is hunting for shots and has to defend his position. If he does those two things, Kentucky's got a sniper out there on offense, and and that's what you want. I mean, you're talking about a guy that with his length, I think that's what separates him, too. He has some size, and he can score and and shoot over top of guys.
0: Going down, uh, looking at some of these comments, kind of on what the note that you just said, Brian Stewart said, Oscar should leave in rebounds per game, Wheeler in assists per game. Uh, who do you think will lead the Cats this year in points per game? Are you going with Antonio Reeves?
1: Uh, Oscar.
0: You still think Oscar?
1: Oscar because Oscar is going to live at the free throw line and Oscar's still going to clean up the offensive glass. He's going to get opportunities in buckets that other guys just can't get because he's going to work so hard.
0: And then uh, Chase Sutherland, who's getting left out in the starting lineup or should I say – uh, in crunch time, who's the five on the floor? So I think this is interesting. I think it it's is. a really interesting question because I had heard through the grapevine that Kaysen Wallace had kind of emerged as that, you know, shot clock running down, you know, we need a, we need a quick bucket. Who who are you going to go to? I'd heard that Kaysen was that guy. Uh, and to do that, you'd kind of need the ball in his hands. Does that change where you go? Maybe Kaysen Wallace, Antonio Reeves, C.J. Frederick at the three, looking for a three, Jacob Toppin and Oscar or Damian and Oscar or a lot of options here?
1: Man, that's a really good question. And and one that I've actually thought about quite a few times because after what we saw in the Bahamas, I mean, there's so many options you can go with. But I think Oscar's for sure on the floor. I think Cason's for sure on the floor. I haven't made my mind up about Wheeler yet. I haven't. I, I I don't know. Like, man, I want to see some. I want to see some basketball. And people probably like. I, I said this how many times last year on our show. I like to see close basketball games. Mm-hmm. That's when you find out what you've got. I like to see situations where you're up for with two minutes, three minutes to play. And I like to see situations where you're down for with two or three minutes to play. That's where you get your answers. But man, that's a good one. The way Reeves scores the ball, if he can defend.
0: Which is, it's an it issue. issue. It, that. Is,
1: it is an issue. I think that he's a guy that could be on the floor late in those situations. And Wheeler, Wheeler's ability to defend to your best free throw shooters, I think, are going to be the guys that are on the floor the most when it comes to backcourt pieces with this team. And this could be a case where Wheeler leads the show, but late in games, it's Kaysen, and then you go uh, Reeves, and you go someone else there. Maybe it's a C.J. Frederick, if he's healthy, Man, there's so many options this team has. But I think Oscar's for sure on the floor. Kaysen's for sure on the floor. I think the other three are kind of up in the air here.
0: Uh, speaking of that, but also not really speaking of that, Preston Floberg says, thoughts on Xavier cutting his hair?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Didn't recognize him in the highlights for for a bit there. But, hey, his, uh, his mid-range jumper, I don't want to – I know it's don't don't make me believe in it one time, and then you go 0 for 10 – one game from from ten feet, but it, it looked better on the highlights. Ah, you got to see a full thing. So what did you see? But it looked it looked better. So yep. he he's confusing man because he has to take that shot though.
0: He does, and and that is actually his best shot. He actually hit that pretty consistently in the scrimmages, and you know the 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 you know one on one, two on two, two on one, the different you know individual drills that they were trying to do, and you know kind of situational drills. That's when he kind of thrived at his best. In game situations, he didn't shoot from three very well, but weirdly enough, in the five minute drill that Cal does, the you know the the five minute three point shooting drill, Xavier was tremendous from three. I mean absolutely tremendous. He may have had a, you know a foot on the line on every single shot, but regardless that's beside the point, he was shooting extremely well in that in that situation.
1: Well, in, in last year you had to have him on the floor late in games. This year, I I don't know, because to me, like you mentioned, those open court drills is where Savier's at his best, in the open floor. When he can get a board or he can get an outlet pass and attack it, get two feet in the paint, cross the nail, kick out to these shooters, or turn the corner and get to the rim and open space, that's where he thrives. The grinded out games where possessions become half court to half court to half court offensively. That is where in a close game that I still think that you may see and Wallace take the one and Kentucky may go shooter, shooter, two, three with one of those versatile pieces at the floor, like a Chris Livingston, a Jacob Toppin, and then Oscar Sheboy, just to get more space on the floor and to get a guy with some size that can get downhill and finish over top of people and through people. And then you don't have that defender that's just sitting there and helping in that gap and just kind of clogging things up. Kentucky late in games, I think, will go with some shooters to spread the floor. And I I honestly think that Kaysom Wallace may be that primary ball handler late in games. If he matures enough, and you're going to get looks at it, you've got Michigan State, you've got Gonzaga, you got them early, and then you get into that non-conference schedule in December. By the time Kentucky gets the SEC play there in late December and moves into a rhythm with it in January, I think you will see Kaysom be the guy closing out games. It just will be – will the question be is Sabir alongside him? But is going to play a ton of minutes. I'm just thinking late in games when it becomes grinded out, I just – I thought that that's where Savier struggled a lot last year is in close games where they had to grind things out. Kentucky just had – it just wasn't the spacing's not there with him on the floor.
0: You brought up the Champions Classic against Michigan State. Preston Floberg asks, will Oscar be ready for the Champions Classic game or not miss any games at all? I was told today that he will not miss any games at all, that this is not something that they're anticipating, uh, you know, keeping him out at all. And I know uh, – I, I know that fans are a little gun shy with that because last year, kind of the same verbiage with CJ Frederick's situation. You know, last August, at, at, you know, they, it was a minor cleanup procedure that wasn't supposed to keep him out any time. That it was going to be a short term thing, blah blah blah, and then it progresses into what it ended up progressing into, and, and then you know he tears his hamstring uh, against Duke in the the Champions Classic to open season, and then he's out for the year. So. That is a different situation, and, and you know, it's just kind of buzzer's luck. I mean, it's just, you know, one thing after the other that, that really led to a, a really crappy situation for him, and I feel awful for him that, that it unfolded that way. Uh, but you can't use that as the, you know, primary example for something like this. It's, it's you know, a, a nagging thing. It's something that he he noticed. He was already able to play through it at, at pro day, and he, as we said, he looked terrific. Uh, but I, I was told it's just a, a very minor scope. I mean, no big deal. It's not supposed to take him out any time whatsoever, Sean. Uh, and, you know, clearly a, a player that they need in a lineup uh, well, desperately.
1: That, to me, that looked like a guy the other day that has taken care of his body. Mm-hmm. And you're just cleaning up some things to make sure there's nothing that kind of prolongs or kind of affects him a month, two or three months from now. But that looked like a guy that's been taking care of his body and is strong and in shape. That's why I think his body's going to hold up. I mean, he played a ton of minutes last year. He's going to play a ton of minutes again this year. Like, he's going to play north of 30 minutes probably every single time that Kentucky's in a close ball game.
0: Cameron Maxwell says, I'm just glad Cal didn't say, I didn't know. I haven't seen him regarding Oscar's injury.
1: Hey, he's been better with this stuff, hasn't he? He's been back to back little things. I mean, it, it's it, good. A, a little that it's going to get out anyhow, right?
0: Yeah a little ankle roll for uh, C.J. Frederick. I mean, C.J. was at Pro Day, like, shooting and, you know, walking up and down the floor. And, like, clearly somebody that was not in any real pain whatsoever, he was shown on some Instagram. I I can't remember whose story I was watching or whatever. Social media these days, you know, whatever. But C.J. was in the background of the video knocking down threes today. So it was something that probably would have never gotten out had – you know, Cal three made three, a right. deal about it, but he still brought it up. I I, I applaud it, and obviously the Oscar thing uh, is
1: is he, a very he's got he's got to word these things better though because I read them and I think it's the most awful news possible. I'm like, man, he's starting to good just to crush us with the bad.
0: Dude, the five minute stretch where he said where he didn't say anything about Oscar, I was like, well, he's dead. Oh well, that, that's. It loved you, man. It was, it's been a hell of a ride.
1: Yep, we were, we were so excited for another year of Oscar, but
0: nope, he, he it's it is what it is. Sorry, anyway. I, I appreciate the efforts of uh, the uh official measurements were released, Sean, and there were some pretty interesting things that came of it. There, I'll uh go through the, the biggest or tallest or you know, best in each category. Um, Three-quarter court sprint, Jacob Toppin was the fastest with uh, 3.09 seconds. Max vertical jump, Damian Collins with 46 uh, and a half inches, which would have been second in the history of the NBA combine. Um, That's a very, very, very high jumper. Uh, A couple other max vertical leaps that kind of stood out. Adu Thero, 41 inches. and Wallace, 42 inches. Chris Livingston, 40 inches. Uh, Jacob Toppin 45 inches and Kareem Watkins forty. That's a whole lot of 40 inch jumper, Sean.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And uh Damien's at 46 and a half. And that picture that they posted, sheesh.
0: you gonna tell me that that wasn't 46 and a half?
1: That's that's a guy that didn't come from the floor up. He came from the ceiling down. If you if you weren't in the gym to see that play. Like that's the guy that you dropped from the ceiling. I mean, goodness, dude. He he might he may hit his head on the rim at some point this year. He did. He, there, there were a couple dunks that he
0: had where, uh, well, so the event started, the whole event started. So Cal comes out and he takes a microphone and he goes, Hey everybody, thanks for coming out. I appreciate you guys. This is a really cool event. We didn't televise this year because I know that you guys wanted to, uh, you know, see some up close and personal stuff and actual real live practice, you know, without the television and interviews and all that stuff. Uh, so that's why we did this, blah, 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 blah. And then he goes, all right, we're going to start with some different things. But first, Damien, I want you to go jump. Just go do one jump for him. Like that was how the that's how Cal started the event. He just said, Damien, go go jump. I, I want you to start this. <laughs> oh, show him what you got. And the Damien just like, OK, coach. And he runs up to the backboard and he just touches the top of the backboard. And everybody's like, that was really bizarre. You just ask a kid to go touch the top of the backboard, but that's how Cal started his pro day. And clearly it meant something because his testing numbers were absolutely stupid. Uh, and on that note, he was also the standing vertical jump leader at 34 inches. Uh, Damien, that boy can jump. And he put that on full display in the Bahamas, dunked on people's head. Uh, He put it on full display in these scrimmages with the the inspector gadget arm play I was talking about where he ripped the ball out and did the Zion Williamson thing. Uh, I'm telling you, uh, he looked really, really good.
1: Yeah, certainly. I mean, when you have numbers like that and you can go touch the top of the backboard and you can hit your head on the rim, I mean, that plays, right? Like there, And that's what I was saying earlier with him. That is – I mean, that's a security thing that Kentucky has offensively. That you can throw it near the rim and he can go get it and create offense 11 and a half feet. I mean, off the floor. That's what he can do. The dunks he had in the Bahamas, hands back here, catching – just he has the ability to make plays that others do not have on this team you just get it up there and let him go get it. And Anthony Davis, I mean we're not I'm not comparing these two, but he was able to do some of those things and a lot of those things too where he just you throw it there and just let him go get it. That is exactly what Kentucky's going to do this year. I think you're going to see these guards getting down a lot. Bigs going to drop around, they're going to throw it to the rim and uh, get a lot of plays over the top and that is going to be something that I think fans are going to enjoy seeing cuz Kentucky's best teams are able to score through you. And over top of you, but this team also can shoot the three as well. I think they're going to be able to get all three levels of scoring and play over top of you at the rim. And that's because of Damian Collins. Uh,
0: the re- reactive pro uh, drill, Xavier Wheeler led the way 2.89 seconds. Shuttle run, Case and Walls, 10.03 seconds. Hand width uh, and hand height, actually, Oscar Sheaway with both nine and a half uh, inches wide and 10 and three quarter inches uh, tall. Uh, which uh, w- an interesting note here. This has to be a typo, right, Sean? Chris Livingston, the smallest hands on the team. Chris Livingston at six six seven, uh, at, at six seven two hundred and twenty five pounds or whatever. The smallest hands on the team at seven and a half inches uh, tall and wide. That doesn't seem right.
1: No, that, that doesn't at all. So who has the biggest? Is it Oscar?
0: Oscar had the biggest and widest, tallest and widest, and then, then Chris Livingston had the smallest height and width.
1: Yeah, that I man. That's and it's off. It's way off compared to the others, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and outside of you know, like the Grant Derbyshires and, and yeah. Walker Horns of the world, you know, scholarship scholarship players. Um, yeah, that I think. Though I guess Antonio Reeves. Height seven and a half inches for hands and Case and Wallace actually shorter hands. He had white has wider hands, but shorter hands of seven and one quarter inches. Very bizarre. None of this, none of this makes sense.
1: I'm just now seeing Jacob Toppin standing verticals 33 and a half. So Damien at 34 and Toppin 33 and a half. I mean, those two are right there. I mean, look, Kentucky's got two dudes right there that can just flat out fly. I mean, like you're talking like Superman's cape and you're in, you're flying. Like if if you, if you got one guy on the other side, you can just throw it to the other guy too. So yeah, I mean, man, the athleticism on this team is different than the athleticism on last year's team.
0: Yeah.
1: Now Damien was on last year's team, but Damien wasn't ready to play, Mm -hmm. but now ready to play. Jacob continues to be even better. Uh, I, I just I just think they're more athletic, especially in the backcourt. I just feel like they're it's a more athletic backcourt this year too. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, rounding out the wingspan, uh, you, Ugana and Oscar Sheboy both have seven foot four wingspans. Ugana is the tallest, six six uh, eleven standing reach. Ugana at nine, point, uh, nine feet two and a half inches. So there are your uh, updated measurements. The tallest at each uh, each position. Any of those, you know. Height, width, numbers—any of that stand out to you?
1: Mm, not really.
0: I mean, just, I guess standing there's reach. There's so many, up, there's so many like numbers
1: that. to look at on this form.
0: <laughs> it's it's a hell of a, it's a hell of if, a spreadsheet. If
1: you're a fan of numbers, you you love this. And there's that play, by the way, off the off the backboard. rams on you, like absolutely, Phil. So me. explosive and quick off the floor. How did how did Lance look?
0: Lance did his he did his role. Uh, he did nothing bad, and I think that's exactly what he needed to be. He was, you know, I, I thought he moved a lot better. He had some some plays. There's some KD level stuff with
1: it. That's, with, uh, that's, that's insane.
0: Here. Filthy, oh filthy. In the pad block shot outlet pass to Chris Livingston. Oh, just mm, chef's kiss. Look that's at
1: dope. you. Look at you play by play here.
0: That's just <laughs> oh absolutely stunning. Anyway. Yeah.
1: That play right there with Oscar when he caught it on the elbow and turned and went left and blew by Ugana. That that's impressive. I mean, that, that's where I thought he looked quicker. Mm-hmm. And he's hurt. And we, he's hurt. Exactly. So how quick will he be when he gets that was a little the
0: little hezzy left elbow pull-up that Antonio had where it was like, Oh, there you go. There's a le- right elbow jumper for Savier. Anyway, we couldn't be Breaking this down all day long, if we if we wanted to.
1: Yeah, they're going, uh, we're going to replace Tom Leach's highlights with me and you breaking. Up <laughs> down. Uh,
0: absolutely. Well, uh, let's that let's move on from Pro Day because there's obviously some big stuff coming down the pike. Uh, big Blue Madness is this Friday. Um, oh, how excited are you for this event? We've talked for several weeks now about you know how excited we are for it, and uh, you know some of the things John Calipari said he wants this to be an event that people. You know, talk about for a month. Do you think he's gonna, you know, live up to that hype?
1: I think I think this is going to be the best madness in years. Just because I think that Cal's had plenty of time to kind of come up with what he wants to do. That we know the visitor list is massive. I'm excited for it. I'm just so not excited that I have to miss it. Like I can't believe that I'm having to miss this. Like I'm not working Big Blue Madness. I'm working the Blue White game. So I'm I'm actually a little upset that I'm not going to be there. So I'm gonna have to watch it uh recorded but i'll be following along but i do think that this is going to be one of the better ones they've had because it's the one jack where they want to make a statement right like this is their last you know chance to kind of uh make a statement with some of these guys are recruiting with dj wagner and and others so you know they're wanting to go all out and uh two with so many guys coming back so many likable guys like oscar shibwe and uh, you know, Jacob Toppin, a guy has been in the program for three years and and everything from where Jacob Toppin's time at Kentucky started with the COVID year till, till now, full attendance, big blue madness. Kentucky gonna be one of the, the best seat, best teams in the, the country in the preseason. I just think there's a lot of buzz and excitement around basketball now. And I think Kentucky's gonna go all out again. Uh
0: you, you brought up that visitor list and Sean, holy moly, goodness gracious, it is one for the ages. Probably the most impressive visitor list I have ever seen. Cal. Uh, have uh,
1: that's why I think it's going to be a big, big night.
0: Um, look, DJ Wagner, Aaron Bradshaw, Justin Edwards, Reed Shepard, Ian Jackson, Carter Knox, Ace Bailey, Travis Perry, Jeff's Jasper Johnson, and that may not even be the extent of the list because uh, I heard that they're you know maybe even working on adding a couple more names, you know, usually uh, a couple, you know, 25s and 26s, some of the early young, young kids. Um, they uh, get added on kind of closer to Friday. But, Sean, I mean, that is nine high-level top 50-ish recruits. I know Travis Perry's a little bit further down, top 75-ish recruits. Uh, but DJ, top, you know, number one player in the country. Aaron Bradshaw, top 10. Justin Edwards, top three. Reed Shepard, top 30. Ian Jackson, top three in class of 2024. Uh, Carter Knox, top 10, Ace Bailey, top 25, Travis Perry, top, you know, 75-ish. Jasper Johnson, he's gonna end up being a top 25 kid in the class of 2025 in-state kid uh, from Woodford County. There's a comment in here. West Smith asked, can you talk about Jasper Johnson out of Woodford County? Kid is a stud in our own state. Yes, he is. And that's why they are working to get him in. There's some some uh, conflicting stuff about whether he would he would be able to make it or not. Kentucky wants him there and they're gonna they're trying to get him there. Uh, but I had heard from somebody else. Uh, so that, that, that may be up in the air. They're trying to figure that part out, but regardless, if he doesn't make it, there's a chance that another kid there, you know, Dink Pate, uh, there was some talk about him potentially making the the visit, you know, whether travel plans could work out in that regard either way. But I mean, Sean, that is a monstrous, monstrous recruiting list. Um, you know, there's some talk, in you know, a couple of questions, jo- uh, Jeff Hyatoff, uh, Hytoff asked, um, Wonder why Dillingham is not attending Friday night. He has a game actually this weekend in Vegas, uh, so he just physically can't make the trip. So uh, that has nothing to do with him not wanting to be there. Um, yeah, Chris Beesmore uh, followed it up. He has a basketball game to play. It will be on ESPN+. So uh, it, it sucks because you would want all three of your commits to be there in attendance, and they talked about it. You know, We had Reed on the show, uh, and Reed brought it up and said, yeah, I'll talk to him, and the plan right now is for all three to be there. Uh, together Uh, unfortunately it just didn't work out that way with uh rob but there's nothing to, to talk about there there was somebody earlier asked about rob um said something about him decommitting and you know if i thought that he would um back out i can't remember who it is if i see it um oh jordan schaefer jack is there more to dillingham than you were telling us he've alluded to decommitting a couple times no I, never about decommitting but just you know knowing his track record and and you know his you know had four different schools thinking he was committed to each of them during his recruiting process um you know committed to north carolina state after he had already been silently committed to kentucky and you know maybe even a couple other schools and then he ends up decommitting, and that process has been, a you know, back and forth is, uh, you know, going to Donda Academy. There's some, you know, talk about, you know, just kind of the logistics of all that and, and how that works with credits and things like that. So it's more so just the, you know, back and forth. Will he end up going the pro route, things like that. But I've heard that, uh, you know, on Kentucky's end, they couldn't be more confident that he's going to end up being – on campus, I've heard on Dillingham side that they are still extremely confident that they're going to make it on campus. Nothing, uh, you know, no no concerns in that regard at all. And it just it just sucks that he can't be there um, this weekend. They definitely wanted uh, to make that happen, but uh, Sean, I think the biggest news. Uh, let's before we move on to you know the other other big news. DJ Wagner today, I think may be the final. You know, punching the gut, and you know, for others hoping to recruit him to their respective schools. DJ Wagner, Sean, signs with Nike. I mean, signs with Nike. Nike announces him as a Nike athlete today. I mean,
1: you go you go to Kentucky when you do that.
0: I, I'm okay. I mean, look, what there's no way. I mean, there's no way that I've said on the show for so long. I just thought there was no freaking way that John Calipari would lose this recruitment. I said that his contract is written in a way specifically to get DJ Wagner, that there's an out after next year. uh, If he wants to be the ambassador to the program and things like that, uh, that the, the contract specifically is written in a way to have this circle of life moment where his first big, you know, first one and done at Memphis is, you know, DeJuan Wagner and then he potentially ends his career at Kentucky with DJ. Now there's still talk that, you know, I, I, if I had to put money down on if Cal leaves after next year, before this year, I would have said yes. But I think as of right now, I'm definitely leaning toward no. I still think he has some unfinished business. I think he has at least several more years. But you don't have that type of buildup for a guy like DJ. You're not,
1: get, you're,
0: yeah. you're not infinitely yeah. confident that you're going to figure out a way to get it done.
1: Yeah, yeah. Seeing seeing that he signs with Naki, I mean, that's, that's kind of the – I mean, that's it. Like that, that to me closes it. That's a uh, man. I w- I would have been shocked or I would be shocked if Cal didn't land DJ Wagner, just given I mean, look, that, that connection's so strong. I mean, it's decades strong with the one. And I mean, look, the blueprint's been there for years for Kentucky to land DJ Wagner. And uh, th- this is a big one when it comes to, he's he's visiting, gonna get to see the place. Obviously, he's seen it before, but. Whatever Kentucky has planned for Friday night, just the buildup of this, the brand new jerseys, which we haven't gotten to yet. We're talking about the the away jerseys and mm-hmm. uniforms, the home uniforms, just all the stuff that they're doing with this program right now. <laughs> it just feels like that this is a lot of people working behind the scenes to create a night that fans will enjoy, the players will enjoy, and it's all about putting on a show. That's what Big Blue Madness is. It is to recruit. For your program and to reward your fans and give them a show, I think Kentucky's going to go all out. I don't know what they have planned, but I, I'm expecting a very good show Friday night. When you
0: know the magnitude of DJ Wagner's recruitment and what it means, and the necessity of landing him, and what what that what that means, you're not bringing him in for this event and not going all out. You're yeah. not not planning something pretty damn special. I mean, there there is, I, I mean. Him signing with Nike today was, you know, we had the Nocta thing where it was, uh, you know, that that partnership that he had with that brand. And, you know, every Peach Jam athlete, you know, wore the Nocta stuff throughout the event stuff. And I think that was a big deal, but I don't think it was the biggest deal. But, Sean, when Nike, like N-I-K-E, Nike puts out a statement today and says, we are happy to welcome DJ Wagner as our newest partner athlete that kid is not signing with an adidas school no. in the coming months. I mean, put two and two together. There's yeah. no way that a nike athlete just now signing, you know, if he had signed it a year and a half ago, 2 years ago and something changes in that process, yeah. but for him to sign now, right now?
1: No. Way. That's an announcement for a that's an announcement for a decision that's already been made. Is what that is. That's what I think. Like I I think that that and it's the writing on the wall with it. That's the the closing moments of a recruitment and Kentucky's standing in the doorway. Again, that's what I think.
0: Louisville is going after AJ Johnson, who I'm a big fan of, love him to death. You know, I I think he's going to be tremendous down the road, especially as a pro. They're going after Isaiah Miranda. You know, another five star big. You don't start planning those type of kids. You know, Elliot Cadeau is a the guy they're going after, who I think is going to reclass 23 as a guard. You don't start coming up with con- contingency plans yeah. if you got DJ Wagner.
1: Yeah, you don't see Kentucky scrambling.
0: No. And, so and the fact that there's no visit scheduled, you know, Carter Knox, who's a 24 kid, he has he's going to Louisville Live, you know, in a week. Like he's still going to Big Blue Madness, and then he's going to Louisville Live afterward. Why isn't DJ doing that? Why isn't Aaron Brashaw doing that? Yeah. Why is he not doing that? There's a reason for
1: it. Yeah. It feels like good news is coming, you know, pretty soon. And, and I mean, like I said, we're, we're approaching now. When is champions?
0: November 15th.
1: So right out, right out a month away from Kentucky and in signing period right there. Could you have both?
0: I think the plan right now there is not an official timeline for a commitment, get things done. But I think Kentucky is going to be pushing for a signature for the early signing period. I think that's kind of, and you got a, a a final decision for Aaron Bradshaw. He's committing November 16th, which is uh, I think the last day of the signing period.
1: And you you push push that this weekend you, you push that this weekend and you, and you kind of be like, all right, you're here. This is home. You see this, this is what you want. Mm -hmm. Come be a part of this and sign on the dotted line here in about four weeks. And you've got your class in order, mm-hmm. and then you kind of look at it like we've talked about: who comes back, who leaves, who do you go to the portal? Do you even need to go add anyone? We don't know. Like we have no idea what it's going to look like. But that's man, that's good news. That is very good news, and uh, news that I think Kentucky fans should feel. Uh, you should feel pretty comfortable right now.
0: Uh, well, Chris be- Beesmore asked, "Will there be a silent commitment with, with DJ Wagner and Aaron Bradshaw during Big Blue Madness?" I don't know, maybe DJ, uh, but I do know that Aaron is definitely more take a step back. We're still evaluating. I heard just you know this this past week, week and a half, uh, that um, that you know other schools are making pretty significant pushes, or that others are getting a little desperate. And I think I may have said that on the last show. I can't remember. Uh, but I know that USC has some stuff going on behind the scenes that is leading them to get a little desperate and wanting to make a very, very significant push for him. Uh, Texas is going to be in the, uh, you know, in the running there. Louisville technically is in the running, but look, I I just don't see him going to Louisville at this point. You know, maybe he signs with the G league route, you know, that, that could be a possibility as well. Um, But, you know, I think that one's a little bit more up in the air. I don't think we'll get a silent commitment because he does have other visits still scheduled, but DJ, I just don't know what else there is at this point. There's no buzz whatsoever with Louisville. No buzz Mm -hmm. with any other programs, no pro routes, nothing.
1: That's been gone for a a month now, probably, hasn't it?
0: All the chirpy Louisville fans, Louisville media that were so confident when, you know, Milt Wagner was hired and things like that, they've all gone completely silent.
1: Seems like things really shifted in July. Is around that time period when things started shifting, and then obviously when it when it comes out that they're not visiting Louisville for their event, and they're they're going to be at Big Blue Madness. I mean, you you kind of look at that, right? Like mm-hmm. you've been to Kentucky already, and now you're coming back, and you're coming back for the biggest celebration right. that they have before the season starts, right on the cusp of National Signing Day and that early signing period. I mean, come on, like John Calipari is not striking out there; he's not losing that.
0: And I, I don't think he ever was.
1: And there's just, and there was just that was the, you know, there was a lot of things in the in recent years that have not gone in Cal's favor, and we've we've hammered it home when it talks to recruiting and where they slipped, and losing games and things like that. But this felt like the one where if he did slip up, it was kind of the nail in the coffin. Like, man, can you come back from this one? No, this is Cal digging in and saying, I ain't losing this one. And he's found some, and he's kind, kind of found some new life with his program. I think, I, I think he's. I sense an inspired coach right now. I think a guy that's kind of got the shot in the arm. He's getting back to doing things. He's got obviously Orlando Antigua back. I know last year he was back, but it felt like that this was the class where he could really make an impact when it came to recruiting. This is where it really got got rolling again. And I just feel I just think that familiarity, and uh, I think you just see a guy that is motivated and ready to kind of try to get Kentucky back to that to prominence in that spotlight and winning national championships, going to Final Fours. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on just a little bit, one of the first comments that were into the show, the thing that I kind of hinted at to, to open the show, uh, Flory Badunga gets a scholarship offer. David Wood, at, Wood asked, Flory Bedunga, uh newest high school player to get an offer from UK. What do you think about his game?
1: Oh, boy. you I, I like him.
0: love Flory Badunga. He is, in my opinion, the best big in all of high school basketball, regardless yep. of class. And he may be the best player in all of high school basketball, maybe at least 24 on, I think he is very much in that conversation. Flory is the most dominant big man I have seen in recent memory. I mean, the things that you love about Oscar shibway and why he is dominating the college game the way that he is, is what Flory Badunga is, 6'9", pushing 6'10", that long wingspan, chiseled, NBA-ready body. I mean, everything you love, again, everything you love about Oscar shibway that's what – uh, Floyd Bedunga is the, the the whether Kentucky was going to get involved or not was they have been very interested in a very long time and then I'd said that on this show in the past is Kentucky going to get involved? It was always a they are involved they have reached out they've made it very clear that he's wanted here at Kentucky but there was just a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes we saw some of that movement just this past week. His coach, Drew Adams. Uh, so it's the son of his. The Indiana Elite is the Adidas 3SSB program that he plays for. He plays for the 16U team. The son of the director of that program was at Bradley, which is where Bradley got involved and you know offered a scholarship and you know that's why the buzz was there for that program. He just took a job with Cincinnati, and there was a lot of talk that if whoever hires Drew Adams. Was going to land Flory Bedunga. And that move happens. He gets hired by Cincinnati and everybody goes, done deal. He's going to Cincinnati. The buzz in recent days was okay, maybe it's not as big of a done deal as people are, you know, have kind of expected. There's been somebody close to Flory that has reached out to me several times and said, you can believe what you want, but he is not a done deal to anywhere. He is not tied down to anywhere Drew Adams goes. It's not a, you know what? You know, kind of a pay-for commitment type deal by just taking. You know, if you want to hire his guy, you you know, you get him as well. It's not a package deal, uh, and I personally just never believed it. Um, But the fact that Kentucky gets involved, Sean, they go visit him today. John Calipari and Orlando Antigua go visit him today, yep. offer him a scholarship in person. What does that tell you? Uh, a week after. Drew Adams gets the job at Cincinnati. Why would they offer scholarship now?
1: Yeah. Uh, it, uh, I, I And I love Flory. You know, I, I watched him in April. Was that when I was in Spartanburg? I believe I was in, in, in Orlando, Antigua, watched him. So let me pull up the tweet. Yep. April 23rd, I tweeted or, Orlando, Antigua has been on the baseline watching Indiana Elite 16U and Flory Badunga. And uh, I, I told you, I was like, my goodness, this guy is like ripping the rim off his arms and just his uh his wingspan and things and just a very physical presence like he he's so explosive and strong and i watched him grab a rebound and go the entire length of the floor and the clock the horn sounded and he just continued to go and about destroyed the rim. <laughs> and, and and orlando Antugua just makes just has a look on his face and i'm like goodness gracious but no uh man that's a. Uh, interesting offer you know you broke that news to me right as we started to to go live here and record and i didn't even know that it had broken because it happened right as we start the show and you said well of course breaking news happens right as we go live but it, i mean it allowed us to talk about it but uh, big time offer kentucky getting involved I, I would i definitely endorsed that probably four or five months ago <laughs> and uh it's it's good to see kentucky get in on this one because i man and and we did, we didn't know what it was going to be right like we knew that he had some talent but we didn't know how it was going to kind of develop but my goodness we're talking about a guy that's one of the better players in, in the country
0: if he's gettable he's a must get
1: absolutely absolutely I think,
0: I think that's kind of the best way to describe it if you can go get him and I, you know talking to people you know around the program and you know i act like you know flat out ask like is this something that you guys can get like is this is this going to be worth your time they said we think so like we're we think we're we're able to get in that and and I think that's a pretty substantial statement to make considering the ties to now Cincinnati I mean that's that's when you're talking about kids that that are you know aren't from America and you talk about how you Know they became who they are as basketball players and the opportunities that they have that have been presented to them and where they're living, where they are, uh, you, you know, all, all of those things that makes it more complicated than any other recruitment. I mean, that is a really, really, really important person in his life. It's a, it's, a, it's an important circle in his life, a trusted individual, as I mean, almost family so that's why when when you're when you're talking things like that and you see you know hear about handlers getting involved and, and you know like what we saw with oscar sheboy how uh you know he had no real choice but to go to uh, go to west virginia at a high school because he just kind of had to you know all the guys and, and all that stuff so that's where the flurry to cincinnati or whoever was going to hire drew adams you know where that came from but now that the dust has settled on that and it's been a full week and it's not like a, Oh, this kid's going to commit. It's a done deal. Let's, you know, get, get this over with. I, it makes it interesting. It makes it, it, it makes it something of substance. And like I said, if, if he is gettable, he is a must get for the program. I think he's the most dominant, you know, I think he, I think he's shot a day one double, double 15 and 10 type guy that the dominance that you see of Oscar Sheboy. you know, yeah. He's not very fluid, you know, uh, You know, he, not a jump shooter. He's, you know, very limited outside of five feet offensively, but that's all he needs to be. I mean, because he's he's elite defensively. He's an elite shot blocker, blocks with both hands, off ball, uh, you know, offhand shot blocker, you know, very active with steals and, you know, getting deflections and things like that, and absolutely tears the rim off of every single dunk attempt that he has. Uh, those type of players are stars in co- at the college level, and if you can get him, uh, you, you got to get him. So the, so, the fact that Cal made the statement today, we're we're going to try. We're going to try to get in this. And I was told um, he will not be in attendance for Big Blue Madness. He has an event to go to this weekend that. Uh, you know, family event that he has to go to. So he, phys- he physically can't be there this weekend, but they talked about it. Um, they are planning a visit for him in the very near future, Sean. So getting him on campus, again, that recruiting momentum we're talking about, getting guys on campus, you know, Cal trying to make statements on the recruiting trail, wouldn't be um, a bigger statement than getting a guy that people kind of deemed as a an ungettable kid.
1: And you know a sneaky thing about Flory? He's, about left, he's left-handed. And from what I saw and what I've seen is it helps him and his ability to block shots because it's a, it's a, his majority of time. He's guarding a guy that's a right, right-handed score in that left hand. And it's a sneaky thing. Cause his arms are so long. Like I'm talking when I was standing there on the baseline, arms straight down, I'm talking like halfway down his leg. I mean, he is huge. Like his length like covers so much ground and uh, great left-handed hook, also a great right-handed hook. This thing that stood out to me is he can score over either shoulder, and uh, just uh, a, a guy that's not going to get bullied. He's going to do the bullying. Mm-hmm. So
0: we'll see. It's a it's a power move for Cal one way is. or another. It's you know he's he
1: a, a lot of good news right now. A lot of exciting news.
0: He was a player that was seen as the ungettable player. In
1: well, you, you sent how? me the list of people to watch when I went to Spartanburg, and it was just me. I think I was the only guy uh, from Kentucky down there that weekend, and you and he was on that list, and you said, if you get a chance, watch him. And then I texted you. I said, I'm watching Florida. And You said, what do you think? And I was like, mm, I, I really like this guy. And that was a, in a time where there wasn't a whole lot known about him, and then he just kind of blew up and just continued to blow up. And then we get through the summer and get now, and uh, one of the better players in the country.
0: There's this Chris Pointer dude in the chat who uh, last week was trolling and said Louisville's involved and has been for a while. He will be a Louisville Live. He will be playing against you. Mighty uh, confident for uh, somebody who literally can't close on any recruit right now. Kenny Payne can't you know close on any top-level target that they're going after. So uh, you can be as – cocky as you want and confident as you want, but uh, the proof is in the pudding th- thus far, and the blood is in the water about uh, closing on kids, and we have yet to see any of that right now. So, yeah.
1: Thanks for listening, Chris.
0: Good luck with that. Thanks for the uh, downloads. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's uh, wrap this thing. Well, there's one one John Hand asked about any update on Trey Johnson. Yeah, uh, Kentucky's in the process of of getting a visit scheduled with him. They I don't think they're going to be able to get a Big Blue Madness trip scheduled on time Uh, They um, they tried for it. Um, Kentucky feels in a really good position. I am very concerned about the pro route for him. I think that's something that uh, I think Kentucky is acknowledging on their end, that that could be a possibility as well. Uh, So they're kind of treading lightly with that one, trying to see, um, you know, just where things stand, how, you know, how confident they can be about it. Uh, Baylor, obviously, Texas, obviously he's, you know, a Texas kid. Uh, Those are two schools that are going to be in it until the very end. Uh, Kentucky, you know, in terms of, you know, traditional powers, Kentucky is his favorite. Uh, you know, he has some ties to guys like Tyrese Maxey and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, uh, we'll see about Trey Johnson a little bit worried about the pro route and, you know, there's the tech Texas ties are there, but uh, like Kentucky is in a good spot and they are in the process of scheduling of uh, scheduling a visit right now. Uh, Ooh. Uh, Captain Saveo, any update on how the H.Y. Livesey Eagles are looking this year?
1: Oh, my goodness. We had uh, – I'll tell you this. I've coached 13 years. I can't believe I'm saying this on this platform because my kids listen to this. It's the best practice I've ever had as a head coach in 13 years was tonight.
0: Wow. Sounds, sounds like a cow's – uh,
1: yeah, it, it, very, very pleased with what we're doing and, and very pleased with my kids. That's the reason I can't be a Big Blue Madness Friday night. Is uh, we had a date scheduled, we got a preseason scrimmage all the way down near Chattanooga on Friday night. We're uh, going and playing against a team that was one of the teams that was a shot or two away from a final four uh, to go to state last year. So, a great opportunity for us. And uh, we start our season here in a couple of weeks doing some good things with that. Uh, like I said, talking basketball in here, coaching basketball there, writing about basketball. It's all basketball, basketball, basketball with me this time of year.
0: It sure is. Let's uh, end the show with this. Uh, new away uniforms have been announced. We've been waiting for it. the road blues and holy goodness, they look fantastic. I am a huge fan of the, the it's that deep royal blue, UK blue. Uh, I love the stripes. I love the uh, it's a it, it's a very very sharp jersey, and I, I, the gold on the back neck uh, is, is is about as you know. It, it stands out. It's not obnoxious. It's you know it's clear and concise. It's it's stunning. Big fan.
1: Uh, I love them. Uh, I'm a huge fan of what Kentucky did with these jerseys. I mean, the whites, the blues. They listen to the fans. How about that? Like. They did. Like, it's a clean look. I'm a huge fan of what they look like. I think it's another step forward for the program. And, look, uniforms matter. Jerseys matter. And we know that players did not like the checkerboard. Like, we know that. And I think that they like these. I think they like these tops, and I think they like the shorts. Huge fan.
0: BCW says this jersey is mid. Calm down. You're mid, BCW. You don't know what you're talking about. Then Billy Dingleberry says – what y'all done moved on from football looks like crap. Talking about looks the basketball
1: show. And Thank then, you, yeah,
0: and then Billy Dingleberry earlier said fire stoops. Goodness gracious.
1: <laughs> hey, we did have – I want to have this positive comment, though. I don't think we got to Marks earlier talking about uh, Damian Collins. I, th- I think he's talking about Damian. At the basket, he can catch, turn, jump, and dunk. And not a thing anyone can do about it but foul him. And he shoots free throws well. So when we're talking – eight.
0: Or eight.
1: When we're talking crunch time minutes and being on the floor and hitting free throws, he's a guy that can play. You can put him on the floor late in games. That's a really good point. I wanted to make sure that I I brought that up, Mark. I'm sorry that we didn't see that earlier. I I get on and follow our live stream on Facebook so I can see the comments and then the ones that uh, we put up from YouTube and everything as well so make sure we don't miss anything.
0: There we go. Well, that uh, about wraps it up. I have a couple quick things that I need to – Say before we jump out of here. As always, I think this might be our last uh, last one with uh, Athletic Greens, but you know, may uh, you know repartner with them here in just a bit. But our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG One because I would ramped up my daily workouts, eating a cleaner diet, and Athletic Greens was the perfect complement. Uh, to my efforts in getting healthy. The thing is, I didn't want a chalky, nasty, bitter supplement that tastes like grass clippings. I wanted something I genuinely enjoyed with a mild tropical taste. It's a drink I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff with one delicious scoop of AG1? You're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all of the things. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free. Contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Supports better sleep quality and recovery. Supports mental clarity and alertness, costs you less than $3 a day. Uh, You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water each day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/pilgrim. Again, that is athleticgreens.com/pilgrims. P I L G R I M to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And then, Sean, a quick note: I'm not gonna read the whole thing on on this one but uh for next week in particular just a little preview we're partnering uh with the kentucky music hall of fame they are announcing its upcoming 2022 induction ceremony uh it is held uh, at the renfro valley entertainment center new barn in renfro valley kentucky on friday october 28 2022 Uh, this year's inductee class contains a very deserving group of individuals from kentucky who have left an eternal impact on the music injury some of the names carly uh, Nora Lee Allen, uh, Tommy White, uh, T.D. Young, Marty Brown, Pete Goble, Chet Atkins, uh, Paul Yandel, uh, and then Jack Patty will be receiving the Carl Shannon Legacy Award. Performance will be made by each inductee as well as special guests honoring this year's class, as well as and in memoriam of music legends who we have recently lost. Tickets for the star-studded event are on sale to the public through www.renfrovalley.com. For more information about the event, call 606-256-1000 or visit KentuckyMusicHallofFame.com. That was a new one uh, that we will be uh, rocking and rolling with uh, literally here in uh, the next couple weeks, Sean. But, But, yeah, that'll do
1: it. You asked me about my basketball team a moment ago. I can't believe I didn't say this. We're talking seventh and eighth grade basketball kids here. You know how many kids I had in the gym at 6.15 this morning? How many? Four. Kids reaching out to me asking me if I'll come to school at 6 a.m. and work them out an hour before before school starts. Have eight coming in the morning.
0: That's my arm
1: 5.15, seventh and eighth graders. Like, what are we, what we doing here? Like, well, if you – stuff Like, just excited. No, I, I love it. Like, just want to give my kids a little shout-out right there.
0: There you go. I'm sure they will appreciate it. Oh, Preston Floberg, uh, quick thoughts on what Drew Timmy said. What else is going to say? I get it. Uh, you know, he wants them to play at the Kennel. We're going to play at the Kennel 2027. All right. I mean, I I understand the frustration, but I also understand why Cal would want to play in a 12,000-seat arena versus a 6,000-seat arena. And it just kind of is what it is. It's a six-year series. There's going to be plenty of back and forth, neutral site stuff, this and that. Uh, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I understand why Gonzaga wants to make
1: it a big deal. It's It's a quad one regardless of where it's at. I mean it's and and Gonzaga's getting more fans in the building. Sure Kentucky probably will too, but Gonzaga's still going to have probably 85%, 80% of the fans like maybe. I don't know. Maybe Kentucky fans bottle those up.
0: I will be there and I'm very excited to uh make my appearance at Spokane Arena. I love
1: I love that spot. That spot on a Sunday night.
0: Yeah, it's okay. right after the Gonzaga The uh uh it Right after the Georgia game, I know the Georgia game isn't as big now because of obvious reasons. May not be as big, you know. Maybe yeah, it might work we'll out. We'll take better.
1: some viewers away from Sunday Night Football.
0: We will, although I think Sunday Night Football that night is Bengals Steelers. Mm,
1: yeah, that's it's yeah, it's Kentucky, it's Kentucky. It'll, yeah, yeah it,
0: it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Anyway, I know we uh, hour and twenty minutes. I know we ran long. If you uh, we
1: overachieved, don't we?
0: We, we always say it's going to be an hour and we run over a little bit on this show, but we appreciate uh, each and every one of our listeners. Sean, yeah. let's get out of here. Where can fans find your work?
1: You can find my work at gobigbluecountry.com and you can follow me on Twitter at gbbcountry.
0: Find me on Twitter as well, Jack Pilgrim, Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentucky That will be back next Tuesday night right here on the KSR YouTube page at 8 p.m. We will see you then.